Hello, everybody. I'm Clay Brace, and it's showtime here again in Birch County in this beautiful Global Warning Saturday right here on AM Radio 11 WFYL. Folks, the last five years, you've been tuning in for our expert on finding and the oasis of truth that comes at you at the speed of sound. Whether you live in King of Prussia, Philadelphia, Reading, Pottstown, folks, it doesn't matter. You're tuning in to us because you know that we are the we have we are the source for authenticity and exactitude. Folks, we got a lot to talk about here today, and we appreciate you being with us today and helping us unpack it all for you here in Southeast Pennsylvania and Delaware Valley. So, folks, today we're going to be talking a little bit about what the uh, partisan judge for the indictments are all about and what's going on with that. And uh, we're going to get into the uh, the judges ba- basically declining to silence Trump, but also to silence him in some areas. And uh, you know, I, I think Jack Smith thinks that uh, he can get a uh, he can he can leak evidence, but Trump can't. So I think that's what that is. Uh, they're stacking the deck there, folks. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, David Weiss as the Hunter Biden special counsel, the uh, guy that gave the sweet deal to Hunter Biden. I think we're going to talk a little bit about that double standard as well. Folks, there's a whole lot we're going to get into here at the speed of sound, so let's jump right into it. We were talking on the show last week about the uh, the partisan judge and all, and what's interesting is, uh, you know, Trump had his uh, his attorneys on the news channels, the, 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 the fake news channels, if you will, CNN and MSNBC and others, NBC with Chuck Utah and whatnot, and his attorney is just outstanding. So his attorney's out there breaking down what he is calling a constitutional law issue of free speech. And he's talking about, you know, and, you know, he's getting into this case being all about free speech and it's already been decided. And of course, the uh, the American public really aren't going to be buying into this nonsense, watching watching the lack of substance on the, on the part of Jack Smith and his minions. What's interesting is, Jack Smith and his minions are very, very nervous about what's going on. And, you know, so they try to put a gag order on Trump. So the judge that Obama appointed, Tanya Chupkin, she ruled yesterday that Trump will be allowed to comment on his case publicly, but not allowed to comment on witnesses or to reveal witness testimony. Well, folks, that's that's gagging him. I mean, I, including videos and transcripts. So he he can't comment on that. So what's he what's he allowed to comment on? The protective order largely rejected the counsel Jack Smith's effort last week, but it, it's an emergency motion to stop Trump on commenting on any of the evidence turned over. Why don't they want Trump talking about evidence? Because it's no because they know that this is a phony phony show. It's a sham show. They know it. They know it's got nothing there, okay? They know that they're going to have a very difficult time on this. Now they're wanting this, they're wanting this this trial to take place just before the Iowa caucus, and so that's going to be a very interesting thing. But Trump's got to be able to talk about this stuff. He's got to be able to talk about it and whatnot. And again, the protective order again, it, it you know it's the the problem is okay. This proposed protective order was an attempt at election interference this it would silence the leading opposition candidate and the re- and the presidential campaign that's the problem americans have with this so trump's lawyers and and their response cited a a tweet by the by by uh by o'biden adopting the dark brandon persona in which he seemed to be relishing trump's imminent arraignment in washington i think that's interesting 
And, you know, of course, uh, they argued uh, that, that the entire prosecution was a political exercise meant to ensure that Trump couldn't win the presidency again. So Trump and a Barack Obama appointee and Obama O'Biden campaign donor said that she would not be influenced by politics. Okay, well, I'm happy to hear that. Now I'm giving a vote of confidence. I feel a whole lot better because she said, I'm not going to let politics influence me. She said Trump would have to accept that he could not say whatever he wanted about witnesses. Well, you know, there are things that he can say. For instance, you know, he can go on and, and dismiss a lot of what's going on here. But ultimately, the judge ruled that Trump could not be could not discuss or 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 discuss witnesses or attempt to intimidate them in accordance with an earlier agreement on the conditions uh, of, 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 of before trial. And so she she said that she would not reveal sensitive evidence, including witness testimony. In addition, of course, this is all public anyway. What's really interesting is that they're trying to say, okay, well, well, well the trial's public anyway. In addition, she she limited the access of Trump's legal team to the evidence against him. So that's what I thought was really interesting, too. She limited his legal team to the evidence against Trump. Now, why would they do that? And why would they try to silence Trump? Because if you listen to his attorney when he went off on the on the Dana Last show and the Chuck U. Todd show, he was basically getting into the fact that this is all about the freedom of speech and this is what he has the right to do. And when Dana Last said, yeah, but he acted, he acted, he he, he, he committed criminal acts, criminal acts, and, and the attorney paused and he says, so which one specifically did he commit? And she said, well, he, he, he asked the, he asked the state representatives to, you know, to, uh, you know, to, to do something, or he asked the state representatives to recount or find votes that he says, listen, that's freedom of speech. He can ask anything of anybody. He can ask that. There's nothing wrong with that. What actions were wrong? What, what did he do that was wrong? What actions were wrong? And even this January 6th trial, I mean, again, all of this comes down to, you know, the witnesses and so forth, because they know that Trump offered up the National Guard and Nancy Pelosi, and they know Nancy Pelosi turned down the guard. Trump off. Trump knew he had a million people coming out of Washington D.C., and so he made sure he offered Pelosi some extra security with the National Guard. He said, "Look, let's just surround the building. They can't get anywhere near the Capitol building." She said, "No, no, no, we don't need any of that." So she gave people a day off. She limited security. She just put up barricades with no guards. Trust me, folks, that there is there's a there's a direct attempt by Palauzi to not secure the building. These are the facts that will come out in all of this. Okay. There was a deliberate attempt to not secure the building. As I stated before, how could four to six hundred people, unarmed people, overcome and overpower the, the Capitol Police unless it was a staged event? Okay. And Trump knows that. Everybody knows that, including this judge. So they don't want all this out. All right. So they don't want they got to control what's being discussed. They want to control the witnesses so that, you know, that the, the, the access to witnesses, the discussion of witnesses, because they know that Trump is very good at making his case. Because after all, the only thing the public has been seeing on January 6th is what they've been seeing from the January 6th commission, which were handpicked people from Nancy Pelosi's group. And quite honestly, they were never Trump, two, two never Trump Republicans, both of which didn't get reelected in the Republican Party. I just think it's very, 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 uh, very uh, interesting. You know, in addition, she limited access again to, to, to the evidence against him. I think that's important because the evidence, I mean, he should have full, he should have full 
full authority, if you will, to full subpoena power, but they're limited because they know that he they have a very weak case. They just know that. And the attorney for for Trump was actually out there talking about it, and they know it's a weak case, and everybody knows it. Or Dana Lash knows that the media is very interesting because they're talking to this guy, and they have to interrupt him every three minutes, and they don't even let him speak for 20 seconds without interrupting him. Because they know he's going to make his case. They just got to throw it out there to interrupt and to disrupt the flow of the conversation. See, when you're when you're watching and when you're watching a news story and Dia lashes up there and, and she's interviewing Trump's attorney and she's asking questions when he's answering the questions, she doesn't let him get into a rhythm of an answer. In other words, she does not let him go on three minutes without interrupting. She doesn't let him go on 90 seconds without interrupting. She was interrupting him after 10 or 15, 20 seconds of speaking. She would constantly throw it out there and get him off of his, get him off of, or attempt to get this guy off of his, of his, uh, you know, basically of his train of thought to get him off balance or certainly, uh, certainly not him, but to get the listeners off balance. See, for the listeners to make mincemeat, if you will, for them to make, to, for them to make any kind of census of what's being discussed, they have to listen to this guy. And they have to be able to listen to him and and hear what he say and, and basically, you know, put it together. And they're able to do that based upon, you know, the conversations and based upon what they hear. So they're listening to this whole interview. They're listening to the whole point here. And they know that um, they know that he's going to make sense. <laughs> Excuse me, folks. So he's basically so he's out there making sense. OK, OK. So she's interrupting him, and so was it Chuck U. Todd. So when you watch those interviews, and you can go and watch them on YouTube, you'll see on the uh, on YouTube how they interrupt them every every three seconds. I mean, just it's just a constant interruption fest. Okay, they don't let him speak. It's not because they think they're to get him off balance. It's because they don't want the listeners to connect with them. It's really, really, really telling how they do that. I and mean, they give them airtime because they have to because they're a news channel, but they don't let him talk without them interrupting and i tell you folks that's the that's the nefarious truth of it all if you put it together and you watch it you can see you know when it, if you're a listener now, now you may not be an informed listener you may just be a listener trying to hear the story for the first time trying to put it together for the first time so you're watching the interview and you're trying to study what he's trying to say as you're listening to the questions and you're realizing that he's answering them very thoroughly and or trying to, and they're, you're watching and trying to get into a train of thought to try to, it's basically tell it how to put it together so the listener can understand it. And he's doing that, and she's interrupting him. So she's preventing him from putting a concise, clear story together so that people understand it, put it together, the facts together, so they can understand it. I don't know I've used the word story, but to put the facts together, they assemble it all so people see it and, and, and understand it. That's what they prevent. And this is what's nefarious about the media. They they just don't let this happen. <clears throat> so they know that Trump's attorneys are able to do this. They know Trump's going to be able to do this. So Jack Smith wants to leak information. He wants to leak evidence. He wants to leak, you know, I, I should say misinformation because I don't want to say leak evidence. There is no evidence of Trump doing any of this stuff. What they're doing is they put the political narrative together and they're trying to basically... They're basically just trying to sink Trump on their political narrative, and they know that they're not going to have it. They know all of this is just a political, you know, political mumbo jumbo shell game, if you will. So they're never ending negative campaign against Trump 
has always relied heavily on the exploitation of anonymous sources. This is a fact. So even journalists like Dana Lash and, and Chuck Utah, they, you know, they position themselves as the idealists defending the democratic norms. But again, there's nothing democratic about anonymous mudslinging and, and again, about you know, a story than, than trying to fabricate a political lie. You know, and, and again, that may be the Democrat norm, but it's not democratic. Don't miss that. And, you know, it's ridiculous for the media to pretend that Trump's indictments aren't, aren't shredding a democratic norm. I mean, it's absolutely insane that the media pretends this. So they, they're pretending that these indictments aren't shredding any kind of a norm. It's like they're just pretending it's not happening. Or that they are somehow like some non-partisan or non-political. I mean, that's they're trying to pretend they're, they're something they're not. So Trump's Trump's Justice Department didn't indict Hunter Biden in the last campaign. I thought that was interesting. They didn't go after him. The Democrats in Washington and New York City and soon in, in Georgia are doing that to Trump. This is what they're doing, okay? So when with special counsel, and I want to say in, it's not independent counsel, what's interesting is they don't last mistakenly said independent counsel Jack Smith, because Trump's attorney was linking Jack Smith and the ju- the No Justice Department to old Biden, and she kept saying, oh, no, there's no evidence of that. There's no evidence. Hold on a second. This is, she goes, there's no evidence of that with the independent counsel. He says, no, this is not an independent counsel. This is a special counsel who gets all of their instruction from Merrick Garland, who gets his instruction from Joe O'Biden. Don't miss that, folks. That's the truth. And so she goes, okay, well, all right, it's a special counsel. So now she acknowledged that. But again, because of her interruptions and the way she just threw herself in there, you had to be a skilled listener to pick it up. And that's the thing about all these interviews when you listen to them. One other item I want to break. Only the skilled listeners can really glean this, okay? They really can. Um, our, our, the listeners on our show, I think, are skilled listeners, and they can certainly put it together. But what's interesting again, so you know, they're they're so when the special counsel when this was when insane Jack Smith sought a protective order against Trump after Trump made were you know what he called uh threats against unnamed enemies. Okay, I think that's interesting. Okay. What threats did he make? Okay, I, I don't really know what that is. I mean, you know, the New York Times reporters, Maggie Aberman and Alan Fuhr. They reported on uh, a couple of days ago that Trump has promised that if elected, he would appoint a real special prosecutor to investigate Biden and his family, proposing to eliminate the post-Watergate norm of Justice Department independence. I, I'm amazed that these people are talking about Justice Department independence. I'm amazed at that. I'm absolutely amazed that they think the, they could actually get out there and say, we have an independent Justice Department now. I'm blown away that they that they claim this, that they would actually make that claim. I mean, even a partisan Democrat would know that these guys are running a political game right now. Everybody knows it. So if Trump does what, what O'Biden does, you know, and his attempt to re- at revenge violates the norm, not the original weaponization of the Justice Department, okay? I mean, you know, I mean, that's what's it's going to violate the norm, I guess, that they're claiming, not the original weaponization. So... I just think that's a more, it's just, it's just a, to me, to me, it's just a big joke. You know, Smith's prosecution of Trump is so transparently and arrogantly political that if he filed another motion surrounding the protective order, objecting to Trump's lawyer, John Laura, and this guy is one smart guy, okay? I tell you, this John Laura, I listen to him, he is what, wow. 
I mean, he's on the news channels, and they, he just overwhelms Chuck Utah and Dana Lash. He overwhelms these people in interviews. It's really funny watching him. He just he he's like unbelievable. He's like a you know he's like a you know a, a math a math a, a master's degree math expert. Okay, uh, you know basically uh, debating uh, a fourth grader, if you will, in math. Okay, I mean when you watch this guy go off on Chuck Utah and, and Dana Lash, he is the expert on constitutional law, and he's explaining to these people that this is constitutional law and it's already been decided. So they were commenting on how Bill Barr said, well, you know, Bill Barr said, well, you know, it's not going to be smart for Trump to try to claim, to try to claim that, that his, uh, that, uh, that he proceeded from advice on counsel, because if he does, if he, if he, if he proceeds with the advice from counsel, if that's his defense, then that'll put him on trial and he'll have to testify. It just isn't good. So Bill Barr's on, this is what's interesting. So Bill Barr's on the new circuits if you will, the fake news circus, giving his fake his fake expert testimony, trying to fuel the flames and letting everybody know how hopeless Trump's situation is. So he's up there saying, "Oh, this is crazy. He can't. He can't claim he was he was proceeding on the you know on the on the on the of the the, the, uh, the opinions, if you will, and the advice of his counsel because if they do, he's going to put him on trial. It's just going to be so bad." Well, John Law made a comment, and he said. That's wrong. Bill Barr's wrong. I mean, he goes, I don't know. And he was very gracious about it. He says, I don't know if Bill Barr's read the case law on some things, but it's, it's, it, I mean, it, he can absolutely claim as his defense advice from counsel and not take the stand. Okay. So he says, Bill Barr is wrong. And he just comes right out and said it. And I think what's interesting is, is, is Bill Barr. What does Bill Barr really believe he's wrong already when he says that he when he says that Trump has to testify and he says it's a bad idea? Does he believe that or is he just saying that for the narrative? And again, he's never Trumpers or apoplectic. See, they understand all these people. It's like an incestuous relationship. All these fake experts. Bill Barr's one of them. Fannie Mae is another one. Faye Ray is another one. All these people they are all incestuous. They're all in what they do based upon, you know, that who they know and, and how well they know and whatnot. They're all there based upon, you know, managing their lives on this. So, you know, Bill Barr and, and, and you know, Chris Ray and, and these others, they're all basically handling their routine, okay? They have their jobs. They have their career paths. But you also have a lot of experts, fake experts on these channels that have career paths that they're just, they have jobs that are based upon the, the relationships from the, the nepotism that goes on and that, you know, the phoniness that goes on with people. It's just really an amazing thing. So they know what happens when Trump comes in. He, he breaks up that relationship. He busts up that network. Okay. And so these people lose their jobs. They lose their inside access. They have access to information. They have access to people. Politics is all about power and access. That's what it's about. And so what's interesting is if a politician pulls their access, they think, okay, well, I won't talk to that person. Well, they think, okay, well, and they deny that. See, politics is about access and power. And so these people have that. And, and so when Trump goes over and says, I'm closing the Justice Department, getting it out of Washington, D.C., he doesn't need to have a vote on, in the Senate on that or the House. He just says, this is what I'm doing. And he can literally move the offices of the federal building, okay, 
from Washington, D.C. to like Springfield, Missouri. And what happens when he does that is all that all that power brokerage changes. He breaks it all up, okay? And he, he'll make changes from top to bottom uh, with the corruptness that goes on in the House, in the White House. And that's what they understand. This is what they fear the most. This is what they fear. So Smith's prosecution of Trump is so transparently and arrogantly political that this guy goes out and he files this motion surrounding the protective order, objecting to Trump's lawyer, Lauro, John Lauro, appearing on these five Sunday news programs. So it's interesting. They didn't want Lauro talking on these programs. So he's up there saying, no, 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 we're going to get up there. And they get on the show. So Lauro gets up there. And he argued Smith was seeking to suppress Trump's freedom of speech. And this is what it was all about. I thought it was interesting. But, 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 you know, but this guy, Smith, Jack Smith, his motion complained the defendant seeks to use the discovery material to litigate this case in the media. So, but this is contrary to the purpose of criminal discovery. What's interesting is so, so this is going to afford defendants the ability to prepare for an amount, an amount of court case, okay? A defense not to wage a media campaign. So what's interesting is he's, he's wanting to keep Trump from being able to, to manage a campaign. He, he doesn't want to litigate this in the media. Well, they're trying to hurt him politically. These people are insane. They hate him. So by the standard, but we just described, Trump's lawyers should never appear on TV on a topic as ABC, CBS, or NBC are obsessing over each indictment for literally hundreds of minutes. So Smith's ideal is apparently media coverage that is all prosecution and no defense. So the indictment, that's what the whole thing is. They just want it to be a one-sided, you know, sham show in the media. They don't want to give Trump the, the because it's because it's phony. Look, if this was a case that had any substance, this was a substantive case with real evidence, what would they care what the defense said? I mean, in all reality, they got I got all the case against them. But when you've, got, when you've got nothing but indicted ham sandwiches and pumpernickel bread, and that's all you've got, you've got a bunch of phony sham shows that you, you're doing the Coney Island shell game. That's your that's your prosecution case. You know, you, you know that you know full well he has every right to speak and say what he says and to believe what he believes. That's the fundamental right guaranteed in the Constitution. They can never prove that Trump did not believe that the that the election, that he did not believe the election was a sham. They can never, they can never go there and say, well, Trump always knew it was an honest election. I don't even know it was an honest election. I'm not confident of it. And I, I can tell you right now, I think it was a big problem with these mail-in ballots. Not to mention some of the other problems with the automatic machine. So they're, they're, they're terrified of all of this. They don't want, they don't want Lauro out there talking on the news cycles. They know this because they're already down in the polls with this. 65% of Americans know this is a political sham show. Okay, only about 30% of Americans believe this is actually going after the facts. You know, and they don't want this. They know that if this goes into the media, this guy Lauro's on the television, they know that they're going to quickly lose a lot of ground really fast. People will get the information because you can't keep interrupting the guy. This guy knows how to put the, to, to assemble the facts so people can put it together in their head. As you know, and listen to it like they like they don't understand law very well. But I can understand this. I can understand that. See, Loro's actually putting the facts together so that people in the the audience on these shows they're saying, "Well, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. Why are they going after Trump on this?" Because when Trump is re 
This is not about the trial. This is about in the lead up to the trial. This is about trying to take Trump out in favorables. It's just an amazing thing. I mean, Republicans know this is a sham show. Independents know this is a sham show. And about a third of Democrats believe this is a sham show. They don't. They know this is a political game they're playing. There's only a handful of, you know, there's only a handful of Kool-Aid drinkers in the Democrat Party that believe this is not a sham show. You know, that's the truth of it. So don't miss that. So, I mean, they want to be all prosecution, no defense. So the indictment is everything. It's everything. I mean, in any response to it, arms democracy and judicial system. If democracy is so fragile and the judicial system reputation is so fragile that Trump speaking on it can actually hurt and damage it, well, then I, I mean, they're trying to make that claim and it's just, it's ridiculous. It's absurd. If this case is strong, let Trump say him whatever he wants. Who cares what he says? Okay. I mean, I can remember as a child watching the Manson cases, you know, when the Manson murders took place, uh, you know, I mean, literal. You know, 50 years ago, okay, nearly 55 years ago, uh, you know, and, and uh, 1960, okay, and uh, and I remember the, you know, these people up there and they, and how the, you know, how mass followers conducted themselves. They didn't put a gag order on them in this criminal case. They let them just talk. Why? Because they had a case. They had a very strong case against them. Think about it. Think about all the different trial cases, the Scott Peterson case. You had the the all these high-profile cases, all these high-profile cases that were out there that they did not have a problem with the defense out front discussing things, okay, or, or having you know having interviews with people. <clears throat> I mean, that's really the case here. You know, if they have a strong case, what does it matter to you if the defense is out of the media discussing the cases? None of that matters. You know, don't miss that. You know, they want to claim that. Democracy and the judicial system's reputation are so fragile that you know, you know, unless it's all prosecution and no defense, that you know that, that it's just gonna, it's going to damage, it's going to harm democracy and, and the judicial system reputation. <clears throat> but anyway, the New York Times published an anonymously sourced front page story. Here we go, anonymously sourced. Don't miss that, folks. Anonymously sourced front page story revealing a post election strategy memo from Trump's lawyer, Kenneth Cheesebro, that came to light in the last indictment of Trump. So I guess the Smith team leaked that because it's an anonymously sourced front page story. So they're putting all these front page stories out there in the New York Times. Again, post election strategy memo that Trump's lawyer, Kenneth Cheesebro, that came to light in the indictment. So that that was leaked by the by the by the team. I mean, it had to be. No one's ever going to really know, but it was anonymously sourced. See, they're leaking information all the time. The Times will vaguely mention a copy obtained by the New York Times with the story by by some of these people. There was a story by Maggie Haberman and Charlie Savage and Luke Broadwater, and it was all about it was all Trump's prosecution. There was no defense in it at all. If you look at the story, you just see it's all about them trying the case right there. You know, previous defendants in Smith's cases, like the former Republican Governor Robert McDonald, have complained that the prosecutor aggressively leaks things to the papers, but somehow you can't accuse him of that. I mean, so you can't you can't accuse him, but they do. So these pro-Biden media, they, they refuse to reveal their anonymous sources for any trust so hit jobs. So they they put this stuff out there. 
because but they won't but but it's anonymous it, it's just amazing it's amazing at the glaring double standard again back in the quaint days of 2009 remember pbs anchorman jim lair provided a list of his journalistic rules including do not use anonymous sources of blind quotes except on rare and monumental occasions and no one should ever be allowed to attack another one anonymously I mean, Jim Lair made that comment. I, I look, everyone, anybody could could would understand that that's a good way to go at it. I mean, think about that. But that, those days are over. Jim Lair, he's he's long since been gone. Today, it's all partisan. It's all like the prompt propaganda. It's all about you know communist news. That's what it is. Okay, communist news network and, and all these channels and all the fake experts. I mean, the New York Times and the Washington Post won Pulitzers. They won Pulitzers for their publications on the Trump-Russia collusion that was found later to be phony. Did they rescind the Pulitzer Prizes they won? No, they didn't do that at all. You know, CNN doctors' tapes, NBC doctors' tapes, you know, videotapes, audio tapes. Look, the New York Times and almost everyone else in the leftist press does not subscribe to these rules of fairness and civility, especially when it comes to to the former Trump, the, the former President Trump. I mean, that, you know, I mean that that's what the bottom line is. They don't want to give him a break at all. They act shocked that Trump's gained in the polls after multiple indictments. They're like wondering how is this happening. Well, let me help you, folks. You know why it happens? Because everybody sees the phony sham show that's going on. Republicans see it, any informed American goes, oh my goodness, look at this double standard. They want this whole story to be a prosecution. You got a leaked story here, a leaked story there from the indictment for the prosecution, but they don't want Trump to discuss witnesses. You know, I mean, if they're, if these witnesses, are you kidding me? Witness intimidation, what? I mean, this is amazing. Witness intimidation for what? On what Trump said to them? On what, I mean... I mean, we're not talking about a crime where Trump did something. We're talking about everything, everything in these indictments is about what Trump said, allegedly said to somebody. And how they're trying to make it look like an act, an act of a crime, and a criminal act. And and, and, and and his attorney was very quick to come out and say, folks, you're missing this. You're missing this heart. You're missing this heart. You know, they, they're amazed that Trump gains in the polls after these indictments. I'm not amazed. I'm not surprised. I expect this. I'm telling you, the American people see the phoniness. And if and it was, I guess it was one of these guys, Brooks. I can't think of his first name because I don't watch these people. Uh, he's on MSNBC. Um, I, I can't think of his first name, but his, his last name is Brooks. And he made a comment. He's one of these fake journalists, and he made a comment. And he said, uh, he said, you know, he says, I'm almost wondering if we're our own worst enemy here. Because every time we do an indictment, every time we put these stories out there, bring these, you know, Bill Barr phony experts out here, every time they do it, Trump clicks up another half a point to the polls and he gains another million or two million dollars in, 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 in fundraising. They just don't understand it. You know, they're, they're so devoid of introspection that they're incapable of imagining that Biden's no justice department seeking all these fake indictments and trials during an election year defies un- undemocratic election interference. They don't. They don't understand that that's the way that people see it. Okay, they see this as election interference. The public does. The media manipulate voters by obsessing over Trump scandals 
<clears throat> drive out all the policy issues voters would like to be discussed. What's going to happen? And you're going to see this. There's going to be a debate. I think in about, I think about ten or twelve days, there's going to be a debate. I think eleven days on Fox News. And I'm going to tell you, they're going to be talking a whole lot about these indictments and nothing about Biden policies. You know, they're not going to be getting into any of that. And and this is what you can't miss. Okay. They're not going to get into the Democrat donkey pox disease that's going on and affecting our country right now. They're not going to get into that. They don't want to talk about donkey pox. The donkey pox that's, that's plaguing this country with high gas prices, high crime rates, high illiteracy rates. They don't want to get into that. They don't want to get into illiteracy rates. They don't want to talk, they want to talk about education, money for education. They don't want to talk about literacy rates. They don't want to talk about the high crime rates in our cities. They don't want to talk about that either. They certainly don't want to talk about high gas prices. They don't want to talk about inflation nation. You know, it's funny. They don't want to talk about the consumer, the consumer price index, okay? The consumer price index being up and the producer price index being up. They don't want to get into that. Why? Because that is the consumer misery index, okay? When you see that consumer prices are up and when you see producing prices are up, then you know you have a, a, misery, a misery index increase and they don't want to talk about that. So they don't want to talk about the high gas prices, the high crime rates, the high illiteracy rates, the high inflation nation rates. They don't want to talk about the high misery rates. They certainly don't want to talk about the very high pregnant man rates because, I mean, they got pregnant men now and it happening all over the place because of what's happening in Washington right now. They don't want to get into that. They certainly don't want to talk about high censorship rates, okay? Uh, you know, they don't want to get into that because there's so much censorship going on right now and the double standard in the media, they don't want to get into that. So donkey pox is really bad. It's really, really bad. They don't want to get into the, you know, high business lockdown rates that they we just came out of. They don't want to get into that, you know, the high business lockdown rates with this COVID. They don't want to get into the fact of the of the uh the the high uninformed uninformed consent rates of the people that took the vaccinations and boosters, well, now they're learning that one out of 35 people that got the boosters and the vaccinations suffered heart damage. They don't want to get into that. They don't want to get into that. They don't want to get into the heart problems that people are having from vaccination nation and boosters forever. But there are people, one in 35, have had that some damage to their heart. Now, of it's been recovered, but there are people that suffer damage, and some of it's severe. And what's really interesting is that again, the high uninformed consent rates, because we're all used to informed consent. This is what we talk about. Informed consent means you make decisions based upon information you get. That is our right as citizens. Okay, so when you've got the government pushing these boosters and vaccinations forever, when you've got that happening. At levels that they're doing, when they're doing it like they were, threatening people with their jobs if they don't get vaccinated, oh, that there's a problem, okay, with people getting having heart issues, okay, from these vaccinations. They know that again, high uninformed, high uninformed consent rates. They don't want to get into that. They certainly don't want to talk about, you know, the uh, the uh, the high man-made fear rates, okay, that you know the climate change that. The climate crisis we've got right now, I mean, they're, they're pointing to the, the wildfires in Hawaii, okay? Folks, we're having a very strong El Nino year. I mean, in the on the Atlantic coast, we have had the absolute best summer and best winters in the last three years that we've had in a long, long time. 
and there's nothing wrong. They're not in drought situations over there in 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 Hawaii. They're they got plenty of water, okay, and uh, they're you know they got plenty of water, and they're the planet is greening, okay. But what they have is they had they've had some dry areas, and I guess they've had fires, and you know of course Hawaii is the size of the Lehigh Valley. So when you take the Lehigh Valley, that's Lehigh and North Hampton counties. That's about how big the island of Oahu is. With about the same number of people, you know, about 600,000 people. Uh, Lehigh Valley is about 700,000, but it's about 600,000 people. Okay, so, you know, when you don't get a lot, when you don't have, like, when you go two months and you only get a few inches of rain, okay, you're going to dry up pretty quickly. Those tropical plants dry up very, very fast. And it doesn't take much because, again, they don't have any forestry rules over there in Hawaii anymore. Like California, like all these liberal states, they really don't have forestry forestry rules anymore. There is no forestry department managing the underbrush in these forests. So you could expect any forest with a underbrush that's not managed to have a problem. <clears throat> when you're suffering from wildfires, there's ways to combat this. And they're not really good. But they're trying to blame it all on global warming. But look. Let's blame that the the thirty the thirty year drought that took place in the Salt River Canyon, Arizona, that pushed an Indian tribe that was living in the they were cave dwellers living in those caves over there in that Salt River Canyon, and literally the thirty year drought that pushed them. I mean, they had they had farms down there, okay, in the Salt River Canyon. If you ever been there, you'd see it. It's a desert, but there used to be farms down there, and so in fifteen hundred, a thirty year drought pushed them all out of there. So they abandoned those those cave dwelling homes, if you will, and that whole civilization was moved out because of a thirty year drought. That's what happened. That wasn't because of global warming. What we have to understand here is that the sun is what warms up the planet. The oceans help release CO two, okay, along with volcanoes and other things. Okay, so it's not just man made CO two that's destroying the planet. It really isn't. The environment's cleaner today than it's been in. Like I said, in a hundred years. I mean, this is a fact that you can bank on in Denver, folks. Everyone knows it. Now, back in the 1600s, you can drink out of the Schuylkill River. You could drink out of the Susquehanna River. You could drink out of them. Today, I wouldn't eat a fish out of them, okay? But the bottom line is, the water's still cleaner today than it was 50 years ago, 100 years ago. But it's not cleaner than it was 300 years ago. That's ridiculous. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to get Americans to to blame their pursuit of happiness, to blame their pursuit of of living comfortably and having power and energy to power their 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 pursuit of happiness. Okay, they're trying to blame Americans or try to have push Americans into feeling blame for all of this. That's ridiculous. Okay, this is simply this is simply a, a the, the the natural change of climate that is pushed by the sun itself. And the ocean currents, the the El Nino that we're seeing right now is an extremely strong El Nino, and they know it is. So they're going to blame all the effects of it on a global warming. They know that's not the case. They know it's not the case. It's interesting how they say it. consensus of scientists. They always say a consensus of scientists believe. 95% of scientists or 90% of scientists or a consensus of scientists believe. Folks, when you have science, I mean, real science, like, you know, gravity, okay? You know, like, like you know, real science, okay? You know, it's not a consensus that agrees on things like that. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a consensus that's needed to agree on the, on, you know, what, on what, you know, 
what chlorine bleach is, okay? Or what happens when you mix, mix bleach with ammonia, okay? The, the scientific chemical reaction that happens there, okay? You don't, you don't need a consensus to agree to that. It, we know what happens. It's a fact. Science is science, and it states the facts. It's, it's what it is, and you don't need a consensus to agree to gravity. A gravity is a thing. You don't need a you don't need a consensus to agree to natural immunity. Natural immunity is a thing. So science is not something that you a consensus is needed. Now you might get that from a focus group. Okay, a focus group is where you get a consensus agreement. So you would say this recent focus group of you know scientists. Okay, agree then largely agree on this or agree on that. But when they're saying that. That's not so much a statement of scientific fact as it is to state the scientific fact that's indisputable and that does not require a consensus. But of course, it would be 100% consensus because it's an, it's an indisputable fact. It's an indisputable fact what chemistry is. It's an indisputable fact what science is. It's an indisputable fact what, you know, what heats our planet and what cools our planet. It's an indisputable fact. And so these are the oceans rising, ocean levels rising is not a, it's not an indisputable fact. As a matter of fact, it's a highly debatable fact, okay? I would love to have that discussion. I want to hear anybody who really believes ocean levels are rising to show me where on planet Earth, okay, the oceans are covering today that they were not covering 100 years ago. I'd like to see that. I'd like to ask some, you know, some, some scientists that question. Okay, because again, I'd like to see the indisputable evidence myself. So don't miss that, folks. There's some things that are indisputable facts, there's other things that aren't, but don't miss it. These are man-made theories, and the rates of man-made fears are through the roof. Absolutely through the roof. Suicide rates, high, high suicide rates, high misery rates. Suicide rates are an all-time high. Realize we have well over 100,000 deaths every year with fentanyl. Now, we lost 500,000 people in this country in two years of COVID. We lose almost a quarter million every every two years with fentanyl overdoses. Where's the crisis? You know, where is the crisis of the human trafficking that's going on right now? Where's the crisis? Where's the outrage in the media on that? The open borders and what happens with the open borders where these people come over? Where's the outrage when they break the law out of the how they es escape into the fabric of society because of these sanctuary cities not having laws where they could, you know, put people in jail. I mean, where's the outrage on that, folks? Don't miss that. So the Democrat donkeypox disease that's going on right now, it's affecting our country. Again, that's, that's, it's running rampant, okay? This is what's going on. So we were asking the question, you know, we were asking the question, why is it, okay, that Jab Smith, wants to, again, make this entire case be all prosecution and no defense, it's because he understands Americans understand that high, the, 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 the problems that's going on right now with the, with the high docky problems right now in this country. You know, he understands that Americans are highly focused on this. So if he can put this case together in the media like he wants to, he might get their minds off of what's going on with the high docky rates. Okay, he might get their minds off of what's happening with the high gas prices and the crime rates and the literacy rates all up high and consumer misery rates and all that. He might he might get their minds off of that and 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 onto something that they want to know. They want to control the narrative. 
They understand in a normal election year, oh, Biden has no chance at all in winning. They understand that my Beagle Hound would likely beat oh, Biden in, in an election because he has no nothing that he can point to that was a success. I think if oh, Biden was to stand there and say, okay, give me, if you were to ask him, of course, he would have to remember and know where he was at the time you asked him. You had to say, you had to ask him a question, say, what would you say? Is, is give me three points of your uh, success that you can say that you had a hand in that happened because you were president that wouldn't have happened had you not been president. Folks, I can tell you right now, if he points to the, to the two-year consumer confidence high, a two-year high in consumer confidence, if that's what he said, I think a fifth grader would laugh that out. Two-year high? I mean, it's amazing. This is what they talked about. Wait, consumer confidence is at a two-year high unbelievable that that was in the news like that presented like that i think it was it's unconscionable but the, that the media would not call that out that they would let these the janet yellens of the world and Biden get up there and declare the two-year high as a as a milestone that when that's worth reporting and not break it down and say what are you talking about a two-year high where were we two years ago there was no consumer confidence Let's compare the consumer confidence of today with the consumer confidence of the last 50 years. How's that? Why don't we just do that? And we'll see how low it is on the total poll. Folks, consumer confidence was a record high when Trump was there. Now, it wasn't at an all-time high. I think 1985 was the, was the year of the best consumer confidence. I believe it was the mid-80s, 84, 85, 86, somewhere in there. But it was very high under Trump, and, and it was indisputable. I mean... Consumer confidence was through the roof, okay? Gas prices. I mean, my goodness, we're paying $2 a gallon for gas. Well, we're nearly double that now. Crime rates? Unbelievable. Crime rates were declining everywhere. I mean, Trump was calling out. See, Trump was starting to call out these cities, and he, he was very close to sending the National Guards into Chicago to get control of Chicago, because right now the Chicago police aren't getting control of Chicago. I mean... You ought to go and, and check things out. I mean, I'm not saying go to Chicago, but you can go online and check the stories out, the actual facts of what does it look like in a gas station or a convenience store? What are the businesses that are open till like 10 or 11 o'clock at night in Chicago? What, what do those places look like? In other words, if your wife was to go in there, would you would you feel safe going in there? Or would you feel safe with you if your wife went in there? What do these places look like? Who are the people hanging around outside? And, you know, what are the actual threats that you see in the area? I mean, you should just see it. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. There was actually a video that I saw of a of a person that was going to gas stations in Chicago that would show the armed guards that were there, but the control of the gangs, the gangs are in there. Basically, you're, I mean, the threat that is there just to pull in for gas, the people that are looking at you one-sided down the under, wondering if they're going to rob you or not, wondering if they're going to follow you out of that parking lot and get you in some some dark corner someplace, some dark road and rob you or kill you. You know, Chicago suffers every week, suffers about 50 fatal shootings a week. Every week. <clears throat> Think about it. I mean, Chicago goes through over a thousand shootings a year. There's a you know there's a thousand fatal shootings and murders in Chicago a year. That's unbelievable. Over a thousand people a year are murdered in Chicago. 
There's more people murdered in Chicago the last 10 years than we lost in 20 years in Afghanistan, folks. That's the truth. That's the truth. I mean, I, I'm, I mean, that's the truth. Okay. I mean, you got to know that over 10,000 people in 10 years in Chicago, we were in Afghanistan for 20 years. We didn't lose 10,000 troops, folks. We didn't. I don't think we lost 10,000 troops in Afghanistan or Iraq over 20 years. But I can tell you right now, we've lost a thousand people a year, nearly a thousand people a year in Chicago the last 10 years. And I'll tell you, that's, that's over 10,000 people. Think about that. Chicago in the last 10 years is less safe than Afghanistan and than the U.S. troops were in Afghanistan and Iraq over the last 20 years. Folks, those are truths you can bank on. The, the, these are statistical facts. They're indisputable facts. So don't miss that. So when you talk about crime rates, don't miss that very indisputable, very distinct point. The Democrat-run cities are incredibly unsafe. Philadelphia, oh my goodness. I mean, back in 2004, Philadelphia had about 400 murders a year. That was back in 2000. That was 20 years ago. Today, there are over 600 murders a year in Philadelphia. Maybe seven. I mean, that's a horrible, horrible place. Not to mention the fact that if you go down there in the Kensington and go into some of these areas in Philadelphia... That, that's just, not only are they war zones, but they're they're but they're it looks like the 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 walking dead down there. These the, these people that are on drugs that are all just hanging around on the street corners, sleeping right on the sidewalk. That the dozens and dozens of people, the hundreds of people that are just dying on the street corners. They're dying right now in Chicago. It happens all they're dying everywhere in these cities. Okay. You got people that live in these cities that won't ride public transportation. They don't feel safe in these cities. So the, you know they they continually honestly I, I mean I I I'm taken by the fact that the people in these cities keep voting for the people the same people that bring them their unsafe neighborhoods I'm absolutely breathless over that if I was running for mayor in Philadelphia I would say we're going to stamp out crime folks I'm going to run the Philadelphia police when I get in I'm in charge because the mayor runs the police so the mayor would say I'm going to I'm going to stamp out crime I'm going to empower the police to stamp out the criminals in your neighborhood and believe me they'll do it. I'll put police in place that will stamp out the criminals and that and the crime in your neighborhood. You will be safe because we will take out the criminal. There'll be no sanctuary city status. We will deport these people. We'll send them off to ICE to be deported. Immigration Customs Enforcement. They'll deport them. Maybe not Biden. <laughs> they won't deport them. His ICE, his ICE department will. But the bottom line is, take away the sanctuary city status. Start putting these people in jail. You know, get a district attorney down there that's going to hold people's feet to the fire. That's how you stamp out crime. You know how you stamp out crime, folks? You stamp out crime by stamping out crime. That's how you do it. I told, like we said here on this show many a time, if you if you took drugs out of society today, if there if drugs really weren't a problem, you would see about you would see virtually no murders. I mean, literally, because ninety five percent of all murders are, are related to people that are stealing to buy drugs or steal drugs or you know whatever they're they're stealing because of drugs drugs are bringing about the 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 crime that that's gonna you know that's taking place by these criminals the other problem you have is the open borders you're actually bringing people in from countries who aren't whose trade is not plumbing whose trades are whose trade is not carpentry or plumbing or electrical their their trade is not mechanical mobility they don't have they're not mechanics not diesel mechanics you know, they're not, they're not bankers. They're not, you know, they're not the finance people. Then they're certainly not people that are coming over with wares and abilities. No, 
The people that are coming over are the people that are criminals. Many of these people, their only trade is chronic. They're, they're good at stealing. They're good at robbing people. They're good at breaking into homes or setting up gang events in the neighborhood, gangs and, and controlling the money and the illegal activity in the neighborhood. That's what crime and that's what gangs do. They have criminal activity that goes out in these communities and they just set it up and they profit from it. Whether it's, you know, illegal gambling houses or whether it's drugs themselves or whether it's protection rackets, extortion. I mean, you know, it's it's the old game all over again. This is what these people do. You know, folks, if you want to stamp out crime, you do so by stamping out crime, by providing more force than the criminals. In other words, putting forward more force and authority than the criminals do. That's how you put crime out. You stamp it out by saying, we're not going to allow this to happen. And you don't. You don't allow it to happen. You shut it down just like that. That's how you put your stamp out crime. Folks, make no mistake about it. If the Democrats wanted to do that, they would do that. They're more interested in coexisting with criminals. That's what they want to do. They want to coexist. They want to keep people in fear. See, criminals that exist in neighborhoods can keep people in fear. When people live in fear, they're not exactly looking to, 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 uh, you know, to to demonstrate their their personal rights or to to seek their rights, they're not looking to to go out and and and, and exert themselves or certainly to express themselves in public. They're not looking to make their point in their communities. They're certainly not looking to get involved in their communities. They're not looking to improve anything. When people live in fear, they recoil. They live in fear. They don't involve themselves in activities. What it does is it it, it allows that it allows that the jungle to win. That's what it allows. It allows the criminals to win, and we must not let that happen. Well, folks, look, we got to leave it there. Uh, I want to thank all of our listeners for being with us on this beautiful Saturday morning, right here on AM Radio 11 AWFL. For being with us for the last five years, folks, you guys are great. Thanks for taking the time for being with us. Tune in later for a great show lined up on the Watchmen, and folks, see you next week on the Point. I'm Clay Grace. Goodbye for now.